You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. And we're here. Welcome to the first of what we hope will be many podcasts, something we're calling Domecast, a regular review and look ahead of North Carolina government and politics. This is Andy Curlis with the News and Observer. And uh, our first one comes just as we've hit the crossover week, a busy time at the legislature. Many bills are alive. Many bills have died. We're here with Colin Campbell and Ben Brown. We'll hear from Pat Gannon and Craig Jarvis a little bit later. Colin Campbell, who you can find at Raleigh Reporter on Twitter, is here. And Colin, how many of these bills are really dead? Well, none of them are certainly dead. There are ways for them to come back, and and most of the veteran legislators are aware of that, and they know that the crossover deadline is in a sense artificial because while the original legislation, you know, House Bill 153, that's gone now if it didn't get passed either the House or the Senate this week. Um, but you can take the language that's in that and you can sort of copy paste it over into the budget legislation if you're, you know, the right level of power within the, the House or Senate uh, leadership uh, and get that sort of hidden away there where it may not get as much notice and may not be as controversial, or you could take another bill later on and amend it with some different language, either take out what's already in the bill, uh, something like a motorcycle safety bill could become an abortion bill. We've seen that in the past. So that's all possible in the months ahead, um, even though technically speaking, these bills that didn't have any sort of financial component uh, are dead now. Although some of the bills that uh, didn't have a financial component at the beginning of the week now have one, including this gun bill that's going to be debated next week. They added, I think, $40,000 of appropriations to that so that it could clear the deadline without uh, having to have a long, drawn-out debate on uh, Wednesday night when the House was in session till 2.30. Ben Brown, mm-hmm. who you can find at Ben Brown Media on Twitter. That's it. What's the biggest one that is for sure a goner? Well, you know, the the, the big talker is the uh, the RIFRA bill, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which um, House Speaker Tim Moore said wouldn't be moving forward in its you know current condition at the time. Um, the LGBT community fought it pretty hard, but it was the business community that really kind of put it on the sidelines. Uh, IBM, I think one of the larger uh, airlines, also opposed it. So uh, that one looks like a goner, but on the other half, uh, the, the magistrate's bill is still alive. And that kind of goes into the argument that um, the RIFRA bill was a little bit more about people and business, and the magistrate's bill is a little bit more about government. And uh, House Speaker Tim Moore says there's a lot of support for that bill, so that one should be getting some attention. There was a push, though, this past week, right? Dan Forrest was out there. There uh, was. He was making the rounds on radio across the state. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see some way that issue is not going away, is it? There, as long as they're in session, somebody will be pushing for RIFRA to pass in some form. I right? think that's correct. And I think in some form is sort of the, the key phrase, for yeah. sure. And Moore has said that, you know, it may not be this session and it may not be this language that we've seen in the bill proposed this session, but sometime in the future, uh, he's left open the opportunity to revisit this issue and, and craft some kind of, of legislation that would have a similar goal. 
Uh, medical marijuana was another one. There's a lot of advocacy around that issue. Is that pretty much over with for this session? I would guess so, but it's funny to see over the years how it's sort of been less stigmatized. Over the, it seems to have more people kind of coming to the table to at least talk about it than we did even just a few years ago. It seemed like it was just a, a dead-on arrival bill that seems to be increasingly getting at least some sort of committee play. And but, this was the first yeah. year we saw a one-hour hearing where both sides got to t state their case. A bunch of military veterans were there to talk about how it you know, eased the pain of their injuries, and uh, they ended up voting unanimously against it. But when they did that, you know, it was more than they've done in, in the Judiciary Committee in years past. And there was hope uh, after that bill had died that a separate bill that uh, was uh, specifically targeting terminally ill patients, so you could only get medical marijuana if you were terminally ill, uh, the advocates were pushing for that. That never made it to a committee he hearing before the mm -hmm. deadline. Now, uh, some would say some of the incentives bills are, are dead, even though they're quote-unquote alive. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I mean, the Senate uh, Finance Committee, they're technically holding a series of hearings. They had, I think, one meeting this week, a meeting the week before to discuss House Bill 117, which is the big House NC competes incentives bill that uh, Governor Pat McCrory really wants. Um, and, um, you know, they're going to take that uh, and take the Senate bills that have been filed that are, are very different in terms of how they approach incentives, uh, you know, tweaking the JDIG uh, main grant program and, and making some very serious tax changes and supposedly combining all that in one bill within Senate finance that will then get sent back to the House. But I think what the House gets from the Senate will look very, very different from the bill that the, the House sent over a month or so ago. Ben Brown, at the end, they sort of staggered to the uh, crossover deadline. What was that like? Oh boy, um, I think I got home, uh, being a reporter, you know, sticking it out, I, I think I got home around uh, what, 3 a.m., is that, yeah, that, that sounds about right. I think they wrapped up oh. at, at about 2.30. There were some moments of laughter, there were some moments of, uh, come on, you know, groans, but uh, uh, it was not terribly unexpected. I think the night before, there were, there, there were questions on the floor about how late are we going to be here, um, and I think it was Susie Hamilton who said, are we going to be here till 2 a.m.? And House Speaker Tim Moore saying, I sure hope not. And boy, did we blow past that. They, they got there and then some, didn't mm -hmm. they? Well, uh, let's take a break here in a, uh, for a moment. But uh, as, we, as we go out, let's uh, listen in on, on some of the flavor of that. I think this is uh, Representative Pat Hurley mm -hmm. uh, speaking on a, on a wild animal bill That's right. sometime after about uh, 1.30 yeah, so there was a, a bill to ban lions, tigers, bears in your backyard, and uh, Representative Hurley had an amendment that was going to exempt uh, pet monkeys, little miniature monkeys, but uh, she had a little hard time explaining that and keeping a straight face. And let's take a listen. We have had many calls about the small monkeys, and we really need to do something about it. So we, we have done uh, a lot of amendments. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm going to be serious here. This is serious because he's little. <laughs> Representative McGrady has really. And we're back on the Domecast, our first podcast looking at North Carolina politics and government, the first of what we hope will be many of these. 
And we're starting to look ahead now. Uh, we've hit halftime for the legislative session. Is that right? Pat Gannon, who you can find at Pat underscore NC Insider on Twitter. Pat, uh, what happens now? Uh, I don't know that we've hit the halfway point. Uh, most of us reporters hope we have. Um, but in reality, uh, roughly 500 bills have passed one chamber or the other uh, since January when the, when the session began. And um, they still have to pass the other chamber. In many of those bills, there's still a lot of work to be done on them. So, it, you know, it's going to take some negotiating and, and some time to get those bills through. But what we haven't had yet is, for one, the budget, which is always the biggest uh, issue of any any legislative session. Um, the budget, the House is going to put out its budget in the next uh, couple, three weeks, uh, we're hearing. Um, then they'll debate it. They'll, they'll amend it. They'll, they'll pass it through the House, and then it goes to the Senate which will do the same thing, and then they'll all come together at the end and, and work on a compromise, which can take uh, weeks uh, to, to get the House and Senate together. It would, hopefully they'll have a budget by July 1st, which is the start of the next fiscal year. So basically we've had a bunch of bills passed, but we have the biggest issues, A, the budget, uh, B, everything about taxing and spending, um, uh, whatever, if they're going to uh, cut some tax rates, corporate income tax rate, um, personal income tax rate again, all those kind of decisions about taxes and, and how much revenue the, the state will have, and then economic incentives, which Governor Pat McCrory has a package of incentives that he wants. Uh, the House and the Senate are at odds right now. So those are lots of big decisions. And then I'll throw in at the end here, Medicaid reform. I was going to say, we uh, haven't even heard from Medicaid yet, yeah, really, have we? No, nothing, really. I mean, there's been talk kind of in the back channels and and you know, press releases sent out from groups about what they want and what they don't want. Uh, but that's a huge issue. What I think is going to happen, and then I'll uh, be quiet, what I think is going to happen is all this stuff is going to be thrown in a big pot. The House is going to pass an incentives bill. The Senate's going to pass an incentives bill. They're both going to pass budgets, obviously. They're both going to have their own ideas on Medicaid reform. And at the end, the last month or, or month and a half of session, they're going to decide what stays in the pot and what comes out of the pot. It's going to be a big mess. Um, uh, we may hear some of it come, uh, dragged out in public and some of it may stay, you know, uh, behind the scenes, but in the end, they're going to come out with whatever, uh, they compromise on. There's going to be some winners and losers. There's going to be things the house wants that don't make it, things the Senate wants that don't make it. And we'll see what happens in the end. And somewhere in all of this is, uh, Governor Pat McCrory. Is that right? Craig Jarvis? Well, it is, uh, the sense I've been getting from talking to people is he's uh, really struggling to hold his own against a legislature that he's trying to figure out the roadmap, uh, particularly the Senate, which is kind of a, on its own uh, train tracks. Um, but he's also getting good marks from uh, both parties and both chambers, at least publicly. There have been some real differences between him and, and the legislature. But he's getting good marks, especially for reaching out uh, to both chambers. And uh, he showed up uh, at a caucus meeting, was it last week? Uh, and, and what I'm hearing is part, at least part of that had to do with the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And he uh, kind of wanted to personally lay out his case against the need for it. And uh, he, he got a lucky break from uh, Tim Moore, who, who came out and announced that we were not gonna, they were not going to do the Religious Freedom Act. But uh, 
what I'm hearing is that wasn't really luck. That was that followed directly two days after that caucus meeting where he steered the uh, the, the Republicans to to his side. So what we're really looking at down the road is uh, the real test is going to be though the big bond issue is how well does he do on that? Uh, you know, the thinking is the roads part of the uh, the roads part of his plan will probably be an easier sell than convincing people around the state that uh, that they should build a lot of uh, you know do a lot of office improvements for for state workers. And uh, of course, he's been interested in incentives. Incentives, uh, yes. Right. So uh, he he was able to have some sway on the RIFRA issue. Fair to say, right? He's going to have to do some horse trading uh, with with the Senate, especially to get to get what he wants through, and uh, we'll see. And the other issue I did hear at the end of the day was was Medicaid. That that's going to be the big one. If he can get his bonds through, if he can get Medicaid to accomplished, then he's going to be sitting pretty for uh, re-election mm -hmm. in 2016. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I, yeah, this. Um, I think the governor has laid out his his priorities pretty well. I mean, I think Craig mentioned the. Uh, the bond issues, the transportation bond, and the uh, infrastructure bond to to uh, renovate, dilapidating, uh, aging uh, state buildings, as well as the incentives uh, that he thinks he needs for to attract large companies to the state, as well as the historic preservation tax credit, which his cultural resources secretary has been to dozens of cities across the state to uh, to promote. Um, a, a new plan for that. The House is, is all about it. They've already passed a historic uh, uh, preservation tax credit bill. The Senate has uh, so far evaded that, and I think that's one of those things that the House it, that's going to end up in the budget or not in the budget, depending on how strong the House's negotiating skills are at the end. From a perspective of Governor McCrory, is it really going to come back around to how he relates with the Senate leader, Phil Berger? I think that'll be a big part of it. Uh, like I said, at least publicly, uh, Moore and Berger in particular are taking pains to uh, dissuade or bat off, uh, you know, the criticism or the the, the sense that they've had a conflict, uh, even a personality conflict between <coughs> Berger and McCrory. Um, they say it's just the the way of doing business. They have they have different roles. They're going to butt heads. They're going to have different ideas about how things should happen. But it's not personal. Uh, I'm not sure that's true because uh, Berger's office in particular has put out some really pointed uh, jabs at the governor over a number of issues, particularly the authority to appoint boards and commissions and the Coal Ash Commission, that kind of thing. Uh, so publicly they're saying everything's fine behind the scenes. I guess that's where the rubber meets the road. We've also had some pretty public criticisms from uh, senators, from Republican senators, of some of McCrory's top uh, appointees. We've we've had uh, Senator Bill Rabin from Brunswick County criticize the DOT for not outsourcing enough work and laying off workers. It was to the point where he filed a bill to to demand or to require the DOT to lay off 500 workers at one point. That's been trimmed down to 81, and the DOT is in the process of cutting 81 people. So the Senate clearly got the DOT's attention in that point. We've seen over the over the last couple of years since since the governor took office. Lots of open public criticism of the Department of Health and Human Services. We've also seen um, criticism of what's the other department, Craig? I'm trying to. I'm losing my train. Uh, Diener or uh, or uh, uh, DHH. Well, um, oh, commerce. 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 Uh -huh. There's been some criticism of commerce uh, for how it 
uh, spend some of the uh, JDIG dollars that w- mm-hmm. JDIG job development investment grants mm-hmm. is is the governor's top um, recruitment tool in terms of incentives. And um, there's been some criticism from the Senate on where that how that money's being spent. Too much of it going to urban areas rather than rural, uh, as well as rules that that the commerce department kind of adopted on its own instead of going through the legislature things that that it decided to do that that the senate the republican senators don't think was a good idea so and this kind of uh, open criticism of cabinet members undercuts the governor's authority he doesn't have that uh sense of of power that you know strike fear in their hearts or he'll lower the boom uh, it, it, it's a it's a real issue well it's all interesting and it's all going to bear watching over the coming weeks and of course months let's take a break and we will be back in a moment did you know when you donate a kidney you give the gift of life i had no idea you could donate an organ while you were still alive if i'm born with two healthy kidneys but only need one i'd do it again visit the national kidney foundation at kidney.org now you know and welcome back to the first of many podcasts, what we're calling Domecasts. I'm back with Colin Campbell of the News and Observer and Ben Brown of the Insider. And, of course, the work at the legislature keeps marching on. Uh, what's coming up uh, the week ahead? There's obviously going to be a few thing, big things to watch. Um, Colin Campbell, are we going to finally see a deal on the Dicks? property in Raleigh. That's pretty widely expected at this point. So the Raleigh City Council has already signed off on the full, I think, 100 or so page contract authorizing the $52 million sale of the property to the city of Raleigh. Uh, On Tuesday morning, the Council of State will meet. That's the group of nine or ten statewide elected officials. It's chaired by Pat McCrory. Uh, So they'll have their vote. And that's definitely, or not definitely, but most likely going to pass there without much opposition. Uh, A couple of the members of the Council of State, uh, Cherie Berry and uh, Steve Troxler, had voted against the uh, deal two years ago where uh, Bev Perdue had negotiated a lease um, at a much lower price than what Raleigh's paying now. So they'll kind of be wild cards to see whether they uh, support the deal along with uh, one of the other Republicans, Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest. But the uh, Democrats, some of them have already said, even before seeing the contract, that they're supportive of the deal and, and they're going to vote yes. And if all the Democrats vote yes on the Council of the State, even if a couple of Republicans uh, decide that it's not a good deal, it, it's going to pass. And uh, from there, Raleigh has to come up with the $52 million, whether it's through a bond referendum later this year or whether they can find some borrowing capacity without uh, going to ask voters permission first. But there was uh, a, 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 at least a small group in the Senate that uh, had wanted to put it on the open market, right, and get, it, get give it to the highest bidder. Uh, what happened with that? Is there some, you know, uh, vestige there that this thing may be nixed at some point? Well, that was uh, something that a lot of people were worried about when this bill came out. This was the same uh, group of three senators, uh, the, the three uh, Senate health chairs, uh, Louis Pate, Ralph Heiss and uh, Tommy Tucker, uh, who had uh, put this bill out two years ago that uh, nixed the um, Bev Perdue lease uh, on the grounds that it was not a good deal for the state. And they made the same argument this time with putting a bill that would essentially open it up to bidding starting at $52 million, and Raleigh would have had to go against private developers to see who would pay the most. Um, and they announced this week uh, 
that they've talked to the governor and now looked at the contract and now they're okay with the deal and they're not going to uh, continue to move forward with that bill. So, so that's that, that, that's effectively dead at this point and uh, really the only remaining hurdle is this council of state meeting on Tuesday. Okay, very good. Uh, ben Brown, what are you going to be looking at this coming week? I know there's some action on the uh, transportation front? Yeah, on uh, Tuesday, May 5th, there is, this is going to be for discussion only, but uh, House Bill 927 from uh, John Torbert, it's uh, reestablished North Carolina as the good road state. Now, we just did the gas tax thing, but that's not seen as a very long-term fix, especially not if we have billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of road and transportation needs, bridge replacements, and so forth. So this bill kind of looks at uh, the long-term adjusts fees that haven't been adjusted in, uh, you know, maybe in some cases a couple decades, certain kinds of licenses, uh, certain things for, you know, trucking or taxi cabs, what have you, adjusting a whole myriad of things to raise money for all the road needs that we have. Um, it also reduces money going to the general fund. Uh, there was a separate bill that, uh, that got at this to reduce money, uh, I think it's by about $50 million a year for about four years. And keep that back in one of the highway funds. So we're going to we're going to hear a little bit more about that. Again, discussion purposes only. The the committee's probably not going to do much uh, with it other than maybe hear just what the nuts and bolts are of it. This will be in the House or the Senate. This is a uh, this is a House Transportation Committee meeting that will be noon on Monday. Okay. And uh, of course everybody's going to be talking about the budget. Uh, where, where what do we know about the numbers and and uh, where things uh, stand on the budget? Right. So we've heard this $271 million shortfall figure for a while. That's something that came out from the Fiscal Research Division back in February. So I guess pretty soon we should be seeing a revised figure coming out, um, again, from the Fiscal Research Division. So I think kind of all eyes are on that to see what tax reform did and, you know, how taxes have come in. You know, we're past tax time now. So what does the state have in its pocket right now? That's something we should be hearing about a little bit more and that will definitely dramatically shape the conversation about the budget. Very good, very good. Well, uh, we uh, thank you for listening, and we hope that you will continue to listen. And, of course, follow us on uh, Twitter, on the Internet, and uh, in all of the other various ways that we can uh, reach you. And check out the new Under the Dome Twitter account. And might yes, win yourself right. a mug. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at, <laughs> at Under the Dome has been revived and um, is up and running. And so uh, there's some coffee mugs on order, and we will find a way to randomly uh, g give some of those out to followers and friends of the program. So thank you very much for listening, and uh, we will see you soon. You've been listening to The Domecast, a production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the Daily Print Edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.